It is Wednesday, September 2nd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by the Fields Auto Group. And now, a guy who believes there's a fine line between tanking and being tanked, J.P. <laughs> Shadrick. A fine, very fine line. And welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, appropriate enough. J.P. Shadrick, we'll get to Bucky Brooks and John Ozier coming up. We've got a busy program for you today. It's the reaction after the fact of Ngakwe and Fournette being out of here, the departures, and then what's next at those positions, the running back position and a defensive end. We'll get into that today. It has not been a great history of first-round picks returning to the Jaguars for second contracts. We'll break that down and maybe a little bit of what it takes to get out of that rut moving forward here with all the changes. Is there added pressure on Gardner Minshew II to carry this offense? And then we'll go around the National Football League and our weekly Joe Judge report as well. Uh, John Osher's across town here in Jacksonville. What's up, Johnny O? How you doing? I'm great, JP. I am great. And uh, Bucky Brooks, Brooks is across the country in California. <laughs> How was the view of things this week in L.A. of the Jaguars, Buggy? I mean, it's a, little, it's a little interesting, but because it's always sunny out here, I'm going to be very optimistic. I'm going to look for the, the, the silver lining in all of these things. I like the glass half full. That's, uh, that's good. We're going to need it today. Let's uh, get into what has happened here, of course. We start off with the departures of both Ngakwe and Fournette. And, John, I think you wrote about this the other day, and I'm interested in your take on this. The Ngakwe departure, you kind of had an idea could come at some point, right? Because it had been talked about a possible trade, and then it finally uh, came through, and he got sent to the Minnesota Vikings. The Fournette deal was a little bit of a surprise, a lot of a surprise in, in that Monday morning when that email came through. And the question I have for you, John, is, is which departure will hurt the Jags the most? Which departure can they overcome easiest, the Ngakwe one or the Fournette one, John? Well, I don't think this was. I think it, it's far easier to overcome the loss of a running back, any running back, because unless you're a special back, Ezekiel Elliott, maybe Kamara, a guy like that, a lot of what you do in this day and age in the NFL is dependent on what's around you. I don't know that Fournette had really created all that much on his own since he's been here. He's had production, but how much of it is production that, an, that another back wouldn't have gotten? I'm not sure it's that high. To me, Ngakwe, when you can create turnovers off the edge, when you can create pressure on the quarterback on your own, which he can usually do. He's had help with doubles on the other side, but you can't argue that he doesn't create havoc. It's far harder to create pass rush in the NFL than it is to create pressure from the running back position or production from the running back position. Lucky, you agree with that? Yeah, I actually, I do agree with it. Um, you know, when you're looking at Gakwe and, and what he's been able to do, 37 and a half sacks, 14 forced fumbles, and John talked about the turnovers. Turnovers are everything in this game in the National Football League. Even though I like Leonard Fournette, and I think Leonard Fournette has a place in this league as a feature back in a certain system, I do believe the Jaguars can certainly replace his production either by committee or with another guy stepping up. Uh, I think the loss of Yannick Ngakwe is far more impactful in terms of the way that he is able to really get after the passer and create the, this, these disruptive plays. 
which are essential to being able to win at a high level. Yeah, and, and the, I guess it's more difficult. I, I don't know, maybe this is not right, but Bucky, I'll ask you. Is it, it's more difficult to develop an elite pass rusher in this league and maintain him, especially a guy that was a, a third-round pick, than it is a running back. Is the running back an easier position to just plug and play in the NFL? And if you develop a pass rusher, you've got something special. Yeah, the running back position is easier to plug and play, especially when it comes to the draft, because when you come into the National Football League and running back, really you're relying on your natural instincts. It's easier for guys to have success without fully knowing or understanding what it takes. With pass rushers, that is a craftsman position, a position where you need to have guys that are able to utilize their hands, combine their athleticism and explosiveness with some technical skill and savvy. That's hard to find. And when you have a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who has been able to consistently deliver sack production and turnovers, it just makes it very, very hard to replace that. Yeah, uh, really difficult indeed. And then the Jags, though, have, have tried to do that, though. The Josh Allen pickup in the first round. Of course, Caleb on chase on this year. A little bit later in the show, we'll get into what those guys and what to expect from those guys. We'll hear from Todd Wash as well on the departure of Unique Ngakwe. You know, uh, let, let's touch a little more on this Fournette situation here. And uh, he's a free agent. He, he cleared waivers, so he's out there and in, in, in the open market now. Um, but, you know, it, it was an interesting comparison. Joe Mixon of the Bengals the other day signed a new contract. And its perception is pretty interesting here between these two, as you see on your screen here. The numbers are pretty darn close to each other. But you see at the bottom what has happened. Fournette has been waived and is now a free agent. Joe Mixon just got $48 million over four years extension. Uh, Bucky, it depends on the place, the time, and the perception of what you do and how it looks. I mean, how do these two guys compare, not just by the numbers? No, I mean, I think it's an interesting comparison. When you look at the numbers, the numbers are almost identical. Here's what I would say. When Leonard Fournette comes into the league as the fourth overall pick, the expectations are through the roof. You're expected to be a guy that contends for rushing titles. You're expected to be a guy that is in the top two or three at your position right away. Joe Mixon wasn't drafted with those same expectations because he was a second-round pick. Now, I will say that his off-field issues impacted his ability to be a first-round pick, which is why he landed in the second round. But he was able to overcome those issues by all accounts and talking to people there. Great teammate, has emerged as a leader. When they put it on his shoulders in the last couple of years, he handled it and handled it well. Because of that, he appears to be trending upward. That's why the Cincinnati Bengals were willing to commit. When you get some of the reports on Leonard Fournette, they're not the same. And so, look, sometimes that matters. We've talked about the league changing where character really matters, football character, and maybe just because of what had happened in Jacksonville with Leonard Fournette, maybe he's not the right kind of guy for this team going forward. Yeah, obviously they, they felt that way. And certainly, John, on the football side, that was the reasoning behind it publicly that they announced the other day when Doug Marone spoke and Terry Rubisky, the running backs coach, who we will hear from coming up, he spoke as well. You know, it's just not in the plans. At least they have guys that can do things. It's not what Leonard couldn't do. It's what the other guys around him could do. That's the way they explained it to us, John. Well, there's a couple of thoughts here. You know, why didn't they release him before training camp? That's what everybody's asking. Well, until training camp, he hadn't been on the field in Jay Gruden's offense. So it's entirely possible after three or four weeks or, or three weeks that they looked at it and said, you know what? 
not a fit. Makes sense. Is he one of the best physical backs in the team? Probably. But look, he would. All the off-field stuff aside, and I don't know what went on behind the scenes because you don't know everything. But they wouldn't have released him if they thought he was great. They have looked at it over two or three years. They don't think he's an elite back. He's not a make-you-miss guy. Maybe he can fit in a system. But Joe Mixon's sort of a make-you-miss guy. He creates something out of nothing. That's not really what Leonard is. It's what's valued in Jay's offense. At some point, that has to come down to it. Now, the timing of it does make you think, with a year left on the contract, okay, it was probably more than just football. But if he had been up here in football, no way this happens. Teams don't release players that they think are going to make a huge impact for them. They didn't think he was going to make a huge impact for them and think he's replaceable. So he's gone. He's no longer a Jacksonville Jaguar. And that continues a troubling trend, not just recently for this Jaguars organization, but a lot of the history uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars of first round pick players not returning for second contracts. Now, in the early years, 95, really through 2002, when Tom Coughlin was in control of the roster, uh, a lot of those first round picks stuck around for second contracts. It may not have been long second contracts, but they got through their rookie deal and then signed on again. So obviously there was some sustained success. There was a culture. You had some guys that you could build around. Well, starting in 03, and then you see on your screen here the recent history of this um, from 2012 to present, the players that have um, had a first-round selection and then not come back. Blackman, Jokel, Bortles, Fowler, Ramsey, and Al Fournette on that list. You could even go back to 2011 on that list. Blaine Gabbert was a draft pick, didn't make it to his second deal. And in fact, Bucky, you know, 15 players from 03 to 17, 15 first-round picks in that time, only three of those signed second contracts with the Jags. Mercedes Lewis, Tyson Alualu, and Blake Bortles. So that tells you why there were some different uh, runs of um, not so good mm -hmm. football around here. You have to have those first round, second round, third round guys. You absolutely do. And when we think about uh, the draft and team building, the first round pick is everything. Uh, your first round picks are expo expected to be top five players that have respective positions. They're expected to be the core players of your team, the foundational pieces of a championship puzzle. And when you miss, and you miss in successive years, it makes it hard to build a competitive team. Going all the way back, you talked about Justin Blackman and Luke Jokel, Blake Bortles, Dante Fowler. Those guys not still being Jaguars, it impacts your ability to compete at a high level, and it forces you to consistently stay in rebuilding mode. That is hard. It's hard to rebuild and be a competitor. They have to do a better job of getting it right in the first round. Yeah, John, it's a tough one, obviously, to, to change and buck that trend. Um, it, it's got to start uh, with picking the right guys, obviously, and then making that culture what uh, one that players want to stick around for in the second. Well, with a laundry list like we just saw, there's never any one reason. I mean, there were reasons that Jalen Ramsey didn't work out, Justin Blackman, all that. So, you know, you can't just say it was X. They've got to do a better job getting players they want to keep. They've got to do a better job keeping the players they want. In terms of Ngakwe, remember, 
they tried to re-sign him early. They tried to re-sign him right after his third year, and it, it, it just never worked out. So it wasn't that the effort wasn't made. Look, you can't win with a list like that. It's why they were great in the 90s. They always hit in the first round, or at least didn't miss. Haven't been really good since then consistently. Here's how you start solving it. As soon as the season ends, and JP, I'm talking about when the gun goes off and they're filing off the field in their last game of the season, that's when you go sign DJ Chark. A, a guy like that, you've got to start getting guys. This core, and you, and you see me write it a lot, JP, Chark, Taylor, Allen. They can't re-sign Allen Taylor after the season, but you've got to get these guys who are clearly on board right now. You've got to keep them on board however you do it. I think they will. I think this is the last of this trend, but I've been saying that for a couple of years. Bucky, there's room on the horizon, too, to, to get those kind of deals done with these young players. Yeah, because you have to send the message to your locker room that you're really all about the core. This is a great opportunity to reset. Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell, the front office and coaching staff, they get a chance to rebuild the culture in the locker room. And they can reward the guys that are their kind of guys, meaning guys that are great workers, great players, great leaders, are really about the team. If you're trying to change and, and turn the culture around, you want to show the locker room that we're going to reward the players that do it the right way on the field and in the locker room. If you start doing that and you begin to draft players that are really solid players, that is the way that you can kind of get back to the way the Jaguars were performing in the 90s. It's not an easy process, but uh, hopefully, as John said, maybe they'll do it in the tunnel, walking off the field after week 17 or after the playoffs, after the Super Bowl. Why not? Uh, Sign up DJ Chark for the long term. Uh, game day is just around the corner, and we can't wait to be Duve all together again. The Jags are taking every precaution to keep fans safe at TIAA Bank Field this fall, from cashless concessions to contactless entry. Visit jaguars.com stadium and learn more. When we return, we'll get into the offense moving forward without number 27 in the backfield and what additional pressure that might put on Gardner Minshew. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Football is back. And Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars are ready to win. Visit Jaguars.com and join us at the bank. Season tickets mean you'll be there in person for a Thursday night matchup with the Dolphins, a rivalry game against the Steelers, and crucial contests with our AFC South Division opponents. The Jaguars are taking every precaution to keep our fans safe and ensure we can be Duval together this fall. Limited capacity seats remain. Visit Jaguars.com or call 904-633-2000 and lock in your seats for the 2020 season. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time, 
If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Look like a bunch of fresh guys, you know, just a bunch of uh, uh, big eye guys that's uh, that's glaring to go. Uh, just one opportunity. They want they wanted an opportunity, and I think they feel the opportunity is there. And a group of guys that um, I think a group of guys that's ready to go meet the challenge. Uh, you know, go prove themselves. And like I said, everybody in life wants an opportunity. Uh, I got a group of guys that's uh, that's got a shot. They've got an opportunity here, and it's uh, uh, it's right before them. Terry Rubisky's been at this for a long time. He's the Jaguars running backs coach, and welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour. Uh, and you saw his shirt there, by the way. The Jags have launched an organization-wide commitment to voter education organized by players and coaches and designed to encourage fans to get in the game with a call for civic engagement. The Jags are calling for fans in Florida to register to vote by the October 5th deadline. It's a little over a month from now. Visit jaguars.com slash vote as a resource for voter registration and key deadlines. And, you know, to his point, guys, um, that's a young group. There's a seventh-year player, Bucky and Chris Thompson, that we've talked about on this program a couple weeks already that could be key in this offense for Jay Gruden. But then you got some youngins. you got uh, second-year players in Raquel Armstead, who hasn't been on the field a lot this camp, to be honest with you. Divina Zigbo, second-year guy out of Nebraska. And a couple of undrafted rookies, and James Robinson and Nathan Cottrell. Uh, that's a lot of young. Not, not you know, the only. And there's a fullback, of course, on the roster right now, and Bruce Miller as well. So that's a lot of young guys on the roster at running back, Bucky. Yeah, a lot of young guys, a lot of unproven guys. But I would say it looks like this will probably come down to Chris Thompson and Raquel Armstead. Uh, typically, when you're doing a running back by committee situation, we like to have one guy that is a scat back that can do the things in the passing game. Well, that's Chris Thompson. 212 receptions during his career. Does a great job in the screen game. Can work outside of the structure of the offense as an out wide receiver in the passing game. So he can handle that part of it. Ricard Anderson is a downhill player, a guy that is temple tough. He runs through arm tackles, does a great job of getting to the second level in a violent fashion. Didn't get a chance to see him do it much a season ago, but you have to believe that the Jaguars are thinking that he can be the dirty work guy, the guy that does the heavy lifting on early downs. And, and John, uh, Rock had his moments last season in his rookie year. He did. Uh, he hasn't been on the field very much during training. Would be to believe, early on at least, I don't know that he'll be the guy. I don't think you should count him out of this. James Robinson, who played in Northern Illinois, he's a guy who got a lot of carries, 44 touchdowns in college. He has looked as good, and it's so hard to judge in, in training camp because I'm saying he looked good making guys who weren't tackling him miss. So what does that mean? But if you hadn't known who the best guy was out there, you might have thought the best guy was James Robinson. So um, I think it's going to be very much by committee. Somebody's going to have to earn it and be RB1, as they like to say. But I wouldn't leave James Robinson out of it. And, and JP, on a, on a very serious note, I was depressed when I heard Terry Rubisky talk about guys waiting for their opportunity, because it, came, it made me realize I'm never going to get mine. <laughs> yeah, well. It's over. <laughs> sorry you're just now realizing that, yeah, John. I mean, um, uh, Bucky, to uh, John's point about these, these real young guys, the undrafted rookies and Robinson and Cottrell, you know, James Robinson 
in the pre-draft process. He had a big East-West Shrine game. He's a small school guy. What do you know about Robinson coming in, even before training camp? What was the, the book on him coming out? Well, I mean, the book on him was he certainly was talented enough. He did impress and open some eyes uh, with his all-star game performance. And even though he slid through the draft and was an undrafted free agent, there's an expectation that he would have a chance. Now, what's different is this year without preseason games, you thought that opportunity would come because of his exploits on special teams and a flash in a preseason game. He certainly has done enough in practice to give himself an opportunity he may not be a contributor early. He may be a guy that they envision continue to improve. And maybe November, December, you see him crack the rotation as a guy that is able to kind of be a part of that running back by committee. Now, all of these guys, uh, uh, the, the best friend of a quarterback is a strong running game. And in this offense, maybe running backs out of the backfield in the passing game, too. So with without a four net to lean on anymore in the running game, you know, this is this is a little more. Is it a little more pressure on Gardner Minshew to to get the ball out, distribute things, and you can't just hand it off to 27, 25 times a game anymore, Bucky. That's that's out of the window now. Yeah, this is the official kicking off of the training wheels. Uh, Gardner Minshew now is going to have to ride the big boy bike, and he's going to have to do it without having all the amenities that he had last year in terms of the running back and the like. But this really could be good for him because now. What you're seeing is it's important in today's football that the quarterback and the running back, the marriage lines up. Well, now you have Garner Minshew, who really excels at being able to get the ball out. We saw him play in the air raid at Washington State. He can distribute and kind of play that, that pass first point guard that you like to see. Well, now you put Chris Thompson behind him, who's a guy that can catch the ball out the backfield. You may see a better, more efficient version of Garner Minshew. And that's saying something because he was pretty solid and impressive as a rookie starter. Yeah, John, we saw in, in clutch moments, he can handle some of the heat and the pressure, late-game situations. He was pretty good last season in his rookie year. Uh, this is a little different now. As Bucky said, the training wheels are off. Here you go. This is your season to be the starter, and it's your offense now. Yeah, let's make a point here. I'll kick back to the running back and get to Gardner in a minute. If you're going to be inexperienced somewhere, running back is the position to be inexperienced. They're pretty experienced wide receiver, tight end. Offensive line's been together for, you know, a year now with an experienced center in Brandon Linder. What you would love in that equation, obviously, if you had an eight-year quarterback, you wouldn't worry at all about the running backs behind it because an eight-year quarterback can carry the running back. You can tell them blitz pickups or whatever. That's gonna be the biggest thing for the young guys. Can you pick up the blitz and protect Minshew? He's got to show, it's his team now, the training wheels are off, all that stuff. He's got a chance to show it's his team. I don't know realistically if there's more pressure because I don't know how you come into a situation with more pressure than Minshew. Realistically, this is his chance to show he's an NFL quarterback. If he leads this franchise to six, seven wins, he's the guy. If he doesn't, then realistically, he's probably a backup and it's gonna be hard to get himself out of that reputation. So does it increase the pressure? No, because He's got a world of pressure on him. Fortunately, JP, I think he's the guy who thrives. We'll get back you know, with uh, John in just a moment. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It's a kind of hypothetical question now, Bucky, but, you know, because mm -hmm. we're before the season, but we're a week and a half away from uh, the first game mm -hmm. of the year. You know, and 
the question is, you know, what's it going to take for him to be the, the franchise guy moving ahead? So is it six, seven, eight wins, whatever that is? If it's not that, are there changes in the decision makers? And do they go a different route and try to go for the big star in the draft next year? It's all hypothetical now, but it kind of reminds you of a few years back. We went through the first round draft picks a minute ago. Blake Bortles was yeah. one of those. They re-signed him. They doubled down on that. It didn't work out. So another big decision is looming down the line here. Though we're a little early for that, but it is coming up. Yeah, another decision is looming down the line. And look, we got to we have to address the elephant in the room. The 2021 quarterback class uh, draft class is outstanding. There's some notable names there. There's some underclassmen that people are excited about: Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And so Garner Minshew not only has to compete against what is in front of him on the field, but he has to be more impressive than what any of those guys display during their final seasons in college. And so that is tough. And when you also have the scars of not moving on from Blake Bortles and watching Patrick Mahomes go on to be a star and win a Super Bowl, Deshaun Watson emerging as a star, it impacts your ability to make decisions. So, look, Garner Minshew, we, we talk about these analogies. He's Don Quixote. He is fighting windmills this year, not only on the field but in the draft because he has to be spectacular to prevent the decision-makers from not dipping their toe into that 2021 quarterback market. That is, uh, you're, you're bringing out the uh, the big guns today, <laughs> I must say, Bucky. I like it. Uh, well, what would you compare this? Uh, I know it's early. We haven't played the, the, the last year before next year's draft. But as it stands right now, where would you rank the quarterback class in next year's draft? I know it's early. They haven't played the season yet. But as it sits today. It's, it's, it's spectacular. I mean, it's as good as that class that had Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Uh, you have three guys at the top of the board that are legitimate, uh, bona fide playmakers. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, in whatever order you like them, because I know there's been an anointing of Trevor Lawrence, but I'm going to tell you, there's some people that are not quite certain that he is the universal choice to be number one. And so in a wide open race on the colle collegiate level, you got three options where guys that can come in and be franchise quarterbacks. Garner Minshew has to prove or show that he is better than what could be behind door number one next year on draft day. John Osier back with us now. Well, that's a lot to take in. I mean, that's a, you know, you got to go win games to begin with, and then the performance has to be, according to Bucky, better than what those guys could bring too. That's, that's a lot to do for Gardner in year two, John. Well, it either has to be that or maybe a play off the old analogy. You know, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun the guy that I'm running from the bear with. You know, um, <laughs> I think the worry that you have isn't that Gardner Minshew leads him to eight wins or nine wins. The worry is, as a Jaguars fan you have is he's good enough to lead you to five. And does that put you at picking fifth when – the top three guys go off the board because if there's three if there's three teams that want quarterbacks up there they're not going to trade with you no matter what you offer so you don't want them to be just good enough to take you out of that equation and you know we're way ahead of ourselves maybe he'll be the guy i hope he is but that would be the concern is is he just good enough to not let you be in that mix yeesh uh, I, I mean yeah, it's, the, that's pretty it's, good it's work. the blake bortles 
is the Blake Bortles situation all over again. And you have to dig down and you have to be able to put your projection glasses on and see what is going to miss you going to be in five years. Will we be making a franchise killing mistake by not dipping our toe in that 2021 quarterback class by hanging with Garner Minshew, a six-round pick. A lot of pressure on him because he's going to have to play exceedingly well for the team builders to say, you know what, we're going to bypass what we could get at quarterback and continue to build this team around him. All right, so uh, let's play some football games, hopefully, and win some football games before we get to that conversation. And Bucky will have that conversation again, I think, uh, when it is time to have that conversation down the line. Let's come back in a moment. A little more on the defensive line, the Ngakwe trade to the Vikings, and how the defense plans to compensate for the loss of Yannick Ngakwe. We'll hear from Todd Wash, defensive coordinator, coming up. We're halfway home. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters. Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to without notice equal housing opportunity hey jacksonville this is joe adib from bonos i just want to let you know that we have now reopened all of our dining rooms we appreciate all the love that you have showed us during this crisis for over 71 years we have been here for you through good times and bad our award-winning barbecue and our unbelievable staff look forward to seeing you soon be safe Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour on this Wednesday. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osher. The Jags have introduced Jags at Home, an interactive second screen experience on Jags game days. To kick it off, the Jags launched an online sweepstakes to give one lucky fan the chance to win a Microsoft Surface Pro 6 and ensure their home viewing setup is fully equipped with a brand new second screen. Visit jaguars.com slash Jags at Home and enter to win. The deadline is September 3rd, and according to the calendar in front of me, that is tomorrow, so get your entry in. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe, defensive end, might have heard of him, traded to the Minnesota Vikings officially Monday for draft picks, a second rounder next year, a, um, a conditional fifth round pick in 2022, and today, for the first time, we heard from defensive coordinator Todd Wash on Yannick Ngakwe 
and his relationship with 91. Well, the biggest thing is, you know, I think it worked out for both sides. Obviously, I have a, a strong uh, feelings for Jan and, uh, you know, having him for three or four years and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. And, uh, you know, both the organization and Jan, we all have to move on. Jan's a very intelligent football player. Uh, we were going to do some things schematically, obviously, just to move him around, uh, get him on space, get him in edges. Um, there wasn't really, a, like you said, a situation where we could really get to that, you, you know. But at the same time, you know, we've we've kind of built some things. So if we have players that fit that role, we're able to, you know, get them in that role that best fits their skill set. That's Todd Wash, defensive coordinator today, and uh, he's discussing what they could have done with Ngakwe, but uh, just maybe didn't have the time to do. You know, last year Ngakwe held out going in, missed some of training camp, so they. Those are the plans that, that Todd was talking about there. Bucky was trying to do some different things, moving him around, standing him up maybe a little bit on the defensive side. They just didn't get to that. I want to ask you, though, Bucky, was this a good deal? Is there a winner in this deal? What, what, did the Jags get enough in return, or is this a fair deal? I mean, it's tough to say because ultimately you have to turn the picks into players. We know what Yannick Ngakwe is he's a pro bowl player he's a guy who has the fourth most forced fumbles in the league since 2016 and so the only way you can say that this is a win for the jaguars is if what they get back in players gives them more than that but i'll say this a lot of it depends on can josh allen erase what yannick Ngakwe has done meaning does josh allen play at a high enough level where we're singing his praises as a dominant player as a top 10 player at the position and then, can Caleb Von Chason, can he come in and give you immediate contributions and impact as a rookie rusher? That remains to be seen. But I think some of the stuff that Todd Wash was reserving for Jan, he can do with Josh Allen. And if Josh Allen plays up to the expectations, the Jaguars' defense may not skip a beat without Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah, John, it feels that way. You know, they they drafted Josh, and they were together a year, he and uh, Yannick, and now Jan's gone. Here's Chase on to come in to fill those shoes. That's a pretty natural progression, at least on paper. Yeah, and it's a little bit of a tough spot for the Jags in that sense of, yes, you wanted to pay Yannick, but as we've talked about, JP, the reality was it was hard to pay him before because he wasn't the best defensive end on your team when Calais Campbell was here. Hard to pay mm -hmm. him now because he's not the best defensive end in your team with Josh Allen here. So that, I'm sure, played a little bit of that. Yes, Josh Allen can replace Unique's production. He's going to be a better run player than Unique could have been. The question is, can Chason get to a point where he replaces what the second defensive end, second edge rusher, which was going to be Unique, can Chason get to half of that this year? I think he'll get above it at some point. He's supposed to do first-round pick. But can he get to replacing six sacks, maybe a couple of fumbles? I don't think you're going to replace Unique's production, what would have been his production this year. He's too good. It would be insulting to him to say that you're going to be better without him. Curious to see uh, how he fits in in Minnesota as well. We'll find out firsthand. Week 13, by the way, the, the Jags are at the Vikings, and I would bet that Unique will be sounding the Gowler horn himself before <laughs> the opening kickoff in Minnesota. Um, today, Todd Wash, Bucky, uh, was asked about Caleb on Chason and where he would be in this defense. And uh, 
I think the question was about would you stand him up, would you play him at linebacker some? And and Todd today said, no, we're going to keep him at defensive line, defensive end, and but he's strong enough and big enough that he can play that that the other end, you know, which is uh, I think a little bit of a, maybe not a surprise, but seeing it on the practice field finally, they've realized they can do a little more with Chase on than just uh, on the rush inside of things, Bucky. Yeah, no, he's a talented player. He's he's very athletic. He's dynamic. He's explosive. Um, he has natural wiggle ability due to his basketball background in high school. And I believe what you have is he can mature. You have two guys that are very similar in Josh Allen and Chase. And Josh Allen was a more refined rusher coming out of Kentucky. But Chase has explosive athletic traits. And if they can develop those traits on the field, you now have two guys who can be chameleons on the edge. And whether you want to stand them up or put them down or do all kinds of things, but you put them on the same side, the, look, it is available there. The creativity and whatever Ty Wash wants to do, but it will be governed by what Chason is able to show very early in the year. But yeah, I think there's plenty of room for the Jaguars to get more creative on defense with these young edge rushers stepping into the lineup. And John, we've talked about this all offseason, really. That's been the, the talking point around Jags' Twitter and the fan base and all that is, oh, they should play some 3-4 and mix some of that stuff in. I mean, Todd Wash is not going there. He's saying it's a 4-3. Look, they'll have some principles. Would you like to explain this yet again, John, what this is going to be? <laughs> well, it's going to be the hybrid. It's going to be the same scheme, but it certainly sounds like they're going to have more of an ability to stand the edge guys up in passing situations. And I haven't had to explain this in a while, so my touch points are kind of gone. But that's sort of what it's going to be. They don't believe they're a true 3-4 scheme because they don't believe they have a true nose and then the ends who, who really play that way. But this has been made such a big deal of and it's really not as big a deal as people make it because you're only in that base package for 30% of the plays anyway. In your pass rush, pass defense schemes, I think you will see them get a chance to play more of their true edge rushers in that scheme with this. I didn't explain it very well. Maybe Bucky, the football guy, can do better, but that's the spirit of it. Basically, it's a conversation we always have that I don't think means as much in reality as it does on Twitter. It, John, you're right. It really doesn't. Uh, most teams are in their nickel or sub packages 70% of the time. So maybe on first down, you have to determine are you a 4-3 or a 3-14, but it really depends on the other team because if the other team is playing 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers, your nickel package is on the field. I think the important thing that you want to think about if you're tied watch, how can I get my best 11 on the field? How can I get my best group of pass rushers on the field at the same time? If Kelvin Chasen is more comfortable standing up, then stand up. If Josh Allen is more comfortable standing up, stand up or put your hand down. Enable these guys to be at their best. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, how you put the X's on the board or whatever, doesn't matter. Just get the right guys in those X spots and then go hunt the quarterback. I'll tell you what, JP. Well, we'll if they don't stop the run, you can play a 7-2 and it doesn't matter. That's the whole question. <laughs> yeah, they got to stop where the it run starts in order to let those team. guys uh, rush the quarterback. And, that, and that's really the key. 
they have to stop the run no matter what scheme they play. Yeah, that was uh, 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 certainly an issue for this defense last year, to say the least. Uh, a handful of 200-yard-plus rushing games against this defense. That's been the, the big talking point this offseason as well for, for Todd Wash and this group. Uh, let's come back in a moment. We will go around the National Football League. And, yes, football is about a week away from tomorrow, the opening game of the NFL season coming up next week. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by Fields Cadillac of Jacksonville on Blanding down in Orange Park and Fields Cadillac St. Augustine at the outlet exit on I-95. Members of the Fields Auto Group. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity committed to the team committed to the mission at navy mutual we're committed to providing high quality life insurance to members of the military and their families so our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions we don't work on commission we're nonprofit, so we pass the savings along to our members because at navy mutual our highest commitment is to you visit navymutual.org navy mutual ensuring those who serve. Let's go, man. Hey, we ain't scored yet. Hey, we want to touch down. Stop playing, man. DJ Chark mic'd up in the scrimmage this past Saturday inside TIAA Bank Field. The full mic'd up segment available on Jaguars.com. And that's always fun to listen to DJ Chark, one of the really, really good young receivers in the National Football League. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osier. Um, I have a question for Bucky, We're a week and a half. Oh, John, please go ahead. Yes. If we had Mike Bucky up back in 96 when he was one-on-one -on -one with Ooh. Keenan, what would it have sounded like? Uh, it would have sounded, um, one, there probably would have been a bunch of expletives. And then it would have been <laughs> me holding on for dear life. And you would have heard Keenan talking about quit holding, quit grabbing, quit clutching. And I'm just like, Keenan, there are no officials out here. We're, we're just out here playing ball. There are no <laughs> officials. You would have heard a lot of that. A lot of that conversation. A lot. 
I like it. So you're saying Keenan um, talked a bit or uh, complained yeah, a bit he, about he, holding, he grabbing, all he that. Com- he complained a lot. And in fact, this, this little cricket pinky is due to Keenan because I inadvertently got my finger caught up in his jersey and he pulled away and I hurt my little pinky. Well, I hope well, now you learned your lesson, I guess. Um, <laughs> trying to and that's up. what he told me. Keenan. That's what you get. That's what he told me. That's hilarious. And, of course, Keenan, now the wide receivers coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, you can see his impact, I think, with that mindset and the way he came up, a late-round draft pick and, and worked his way through the league for a long career here, Bucky. I mean, his impact – with these young receivers is pretty obvious to see, including the guy we just saw on the screen in DJ chart. I love Keenan McCardo, not only as a person, but I love him as a teacher. And I think what we've seen consistently down in Jacksonville, the wide receivers get better under his tutelage. DJ Chark is a terrific example. He is someone that was drafted, and I viewed him as a vertical stretch guy, but he has emerged and evolved to being a legitimate number one receiver. The things that you've been able to see him do, winning the 50-50 balls, still being able to guy to, to take the top off the defense while being that number one, it's fantastic. But it's the other guys, Chris Conley being able to make plays as a dirty work receiver, Kenan Cole being able to do things as a slot receiver, the work that he is going to do with LaVisca Chenault, we haven't been able to see it, but I know that he is going to make him a terrific catch-and-run specialist. This wide receiver core will be much better than advertised, and it could be a reason why Gardner Minshew plays better than many people expect. John, every receiver we talk to raves about Keenan's teaching ability. Yeah, and I'll tell you what's intriguing about this wide receiver core, and uh, Bucky, I'll let you speak to this uh, more than me. Colin Johnson has looked as good or better than Chenault. Not that Chenault hasn't looked good at times. Colin Johnson's really stood out, and... I have been surprised, not that he's got the physicality, not that he can win jump balls. He's open a lot. He looks to me like a smoother route runner, especially for his size, than I certainly expected. What was your take on him coming out, Buck? You know, heading to his final season at Texas, he was expected to be a big-time prospect. For whatever reason, didn't generate the numbers. And then they had a guy, Devin Dernavay, who kind of took over. But I'll say this about Colin Johnson. It's hard to find guys at his size, 6'4 plus, that can sink their hips, that can get in and out of routes, and he can catch the ball in between the numbers. And that is critical because sometimes you see those big guys that want to win the 50-50 balls. They don't like going inside where it's noisy. His ability to do that could make him a guy that could make probably become an ideal number two receiver to a guy like a DJ Chark. And that's saying something considering where they were able to get him. Obviously, though, with an undrafted player, and he's got to contribute on special teams, though, Bucky, to to really make the full impact in his rookie season. He absolutely does. He has to find a way. And and it's tough sometimes when you're that size. He is going to have to be a guy that shows more toughness than what was required during his college days. So he's going to have to come down and cover kickoffs. He's going to have to find a way to be on the punt and punt return team. But if he can exhibit enough toughness, to give himself a chance to get a jersey each and every week. Look, there's a war of attrition. If he gets on the field as a true wide receiver, then he can shine and really show people what he can do. 
Looking forward to seeing it. It's been fun to watch in training camp and, and the scrimmage on Saturday uh, really shined in that uh, exhibition at TIAA Bank Field. Uh, let's wrap up today as we look around the National Football League as we always do. We have a weekly Joe Judge segment. Well, everybody's been on him, including us, on this show about some of the decisions that have been made there and making players and sometimes coaches run laps at practice. Can you imagine some of the coaches running laps at practice? The idea of letting the quarterback get his pads popped a little in practice. We got on that, uh, got on, on him about that last week. Well, this week, everybody loves him, Bucky, because apparently the team circled around him after practice of a fumble drill and spraying water in, in the mud and watched him slide in the mud puddle and, and cheered. And, and they love him all of a sudden in New York. It's funny how quick things can turn. Yeah, things can turn very, very quickly. But I will give him credit because the players have been universal in their support of him. It also helps that he has a very young team. But he has tried to ingratiate himself with the players by not only being a stern disciplinarian, but also trying to connect with them, cracking jokes, being a part of it. This uh, participation in the fumble drill was another way that he's been able to connect with the team. At some point, though, they're going to have to win games. We'll see if he's able to do that, though. Yeah, John, that, that's where the rubber hits the road, the win and loss columns. That's how that works. Well, it is. And, and I don't know Joe Judge, but if, if he's being true to himself, then you can get away with the things he does. Meaning, if, if you can be true to yourself, the discipline, some of the wacky stuff, and yet still reach the players and show them that you're genuine. You know, it, I always thought that worked for Coughlin to a degree because Coughlin was who he was when he was here. A lot of players didn't like it, but overall, you also knew that when you cut through it, he wasn't being a phony. So it, it sounds like this is who Joe Judge is. Uh, and if, if that's the case, then that'll work. It usually doesn't work if players sense you're being phony. That's who Tom was when he was here, and then when he was here again, he was still the same guy. Uh, we, uh, Leonard Fournette, of course, went unclaimed on waivers, so what do you think are the, the leading teams to maybe sign Leonard, Bucky? You know, it's going to be tough. I, I think, obviously, a team that wants to play a downhill, smash mouth style would look to Fournette. I would say keep our eyes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the reason why is because they need to run the football to steal lighten some of the load on Tom Brady. They haven't had a big-time running back. I know they have Shady McCoy and Ronald Jones, but Leonard Fournette is a downhill runner who would fit in certain packages down uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, John, there's not a lot of, you know, straightforward downhill I-formation offenses in the NFL these days. Yeah, there's not. And, you know, you wonder if this dynamic would play out different had there been preseason games because you haven't had a lot of teams with injured players, injured running backs. There hasn't been a lot of attrition at the position. So you sort of wonder if maybe this could play out after week one. He's going to get a chance somewhere. But does he sort of wait for the right opportunity? And does that opportunity come when somebody gets injured around the league? That wouldn't shock me. Uh, we'll see if it plays out that way. We move to the Big Easy, and Alvin Kamara is in the news there. Was not practicing. There were rumors that he was on the trading block by the Saints, and he's due to make over a little over $2 million this year in the final year of his rookie deal. But he refuted any claims of a trade request or a holdout threat. Bucky, the Saints have to figure this one out, right? They can't let him walk away. Oh, absolutely. He is their 
best and most valuable offensive player. And I'm saying that knowing that Michael Thompson was the offensive player of the year. But what Alvin Kamara does is he's a mismatch nightmare. He's a guy that can do it in the running game. He can split outside and be a dominant pass catcher. They have to figure it out. I do believe they will figure it out. But it's tough because how do you categorize him? Is he a running back? Is he a playmaker? Christian McCaffrey got $16 million. How close are you willing to go if you're the New Orleans Saints to put Alvin Kamara in that category? Well, John, remember we had um, a guy that you couldn't really – you had a bunch – you know, remember Cordell back in the old days was Slash, right? Well, we had the offensive weapon and Denard Robinson, who's now an, an offensive assistant here, John. That might be appropriate for Kamara right now. Yeah, I don't know if that's the same thing. No offense to Denard, but <laughs> I get your point. Uh, you, you know, $16 million, when I heard that was the demand, my first thought was, wow, that, that's McCaffrey money. I, I, I don't know if I'd put Kamara – that level, he's super valuable. To me, this feels a little bit like the unique situation where the Saints want to sign him, but can they afford, can they get him to that level? Uh, boy, that's a tough, you know, especially when you got Breeze and you got, and you had the receiver. Uh, it smells like this one could go a while. We'll see. We'll see. A couple of starting quarterbacks named today in the league. Terod Taylor named the starter in LA for the Chargers. First starting opportunity for him since Baker Mayfield took him out in, in 2018 in Cleveland. And then Dwayne Haskins named the starter for the Washington football team today. Bucky, are those the right moves for each? Yeah, I think those are the right moves for both. I think Tyrod Taylor was the guy that Anthony Lynn wanted. He wants better ball security at the quarterback position. Dwayne Haskins was a guy that was coming on, played really well the last two or three games. And so despite the noise, he responded really well to Ron Rivera's request for him to up to Andy when it came to his work ethic. Uh, I think he earned the job, and I think everyone around Washington certainly wanted to see that happen. Yeah, some big uh, names there today. And the Chiefs received their championship rings yesterday. And guys, I'll tell you, it, just, it really feels like this is the start of something long-term in Kansas City. Obviously, they've signed the quarterback long-term. They've already got a ring on their finger now. Uh, John, this one could go a while in Kansas City, it feels like. Well, it could because you got the quarterback. All the other stuff they're doing is great, but you've got a, what is he, 23-24, and you've locked him up for you know, the long term. You can't imagine he'll ever go anywhere else. Brady did, but, you know, for the bulk of his career, he's going to be there. That's the whole key. He looks incredibly special, and, and when you've got that, you lock it up, and you've got a chance to win a lot. So, But don't forget, I think Bucky may have said this, but I forget, you know, Last year in the postseason, they were a late touchdown away from not winning the Super Bowl. The Texans had them on the ropes. Yeah, they've still got to earn it, and this is not going to be a Kansas City walk away this year. Put it that way. That's my prediction. It won't be a walk away, and I'll take the field against the Chiefs. I'll take the other 31. Ooh. Oh wow! Look wow. at John. Oh, you going bold before we even get to the prediction well, part I mean, of it. I, got the numbers I, I like on my it side. though. I like it because it will be challenging. The one thing that bodes well for the Chiefs being relevant contenders, they not only signed Pat Mahomes long-term, they had a six-year extension for Andy Reid. It is important for those two to be linked together. They are a spectacular duo. That is why the Kansas City Chiefs will be a team that we always have to talk about being a contender. And next week, uh, we will have our uh, maybe some bold predictions for the NFL season because – will be a day away from the first game in the NFL a week 
from today when we reconvene here. John, well done as always. Appreciate it. Bucky, great to see you too, man, always. Hey, hey man, thanks so much, guys. Love it. We'll uh, be back next week. Bold predictions coming up. Our thanks to John Osier, Bucky Brooks, our entire crew. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time. Jaguars Happy Hour presented by the Fields Auto Group on the Jaguars Digital Network.